hello, hello. On today's episode of Inspiring Youth Talks, me and my very special guest will talk about the arts as a creative outlet for pain. Inspiring Youth is an organization aimed at providing disadvantaged youth across the world opportunities for growth through mainly education. I'm your host, Ipsa, and I have here with me the most inspiring person I know and someone who has given me and various other youth a platform to give back. Please welcome Rishali Shaw, founder and CEO of Inspiring Youth. Hello, Rishali. Hello. Okay, now I know you a little too well because I haven't been here <laughs> for almost seven years. So I'm going to start us off with an icebreaker. Okay. Tell me something that I don't know about you. Ooh, that's a hard one. I feel like I tell you every little thing about my life at this point. Every single thing. I fell off my chair yesterday. I feel like I could have inferred that. But thank you for sharing. And you bruise like a peach. Yep. Oh, you have to go too. Come on. It's not fair for me. Okay. Um, I currently have a bottle of frozen ginger ale in my freezer. Curious to know why it's frozen, but that's that that isn't the one thing I do not know. All right, we're doing pretty good at this game. Okay, so now for the audience, I know you're majoring in business, but what are your future plans, especially after graduation? Yeah, um, so I'm currently actually in the process of applying to law school. So I am looking to pursue law as a postgraduate um, in law specifically, you know, the topics of human right, cr uh, rights, criminal law. Um, as well as corporate law are things, you know, are topics that I'm very interested in. So I haven't really considered exactly what field or what path in law I want to pursue. Um, but law is my kind of career goal. And of course, inspiring youth will always be there as long as I can keep it with me. So yeah, I think those are my goals for the future for now. Yeah. And speaking of inspiring youth, what kind of led you to founding such a great organization and, you know, your, um, your pillars that you stand for here? Yeah, that's actually a pretty funny story, but one I love, I enjoy telling. Um, Inspiring Youth was created out of a conversation that I actually had with my younger sister. Um, so my younger sister is currently in high school right now. And about a year ago, we were just sitting down talking about the most random things. And somehow we got to the topic of kids, you know, our childhood, um, high school, middle school, just life in general. How old's your sister? My sister is actually 14 years old, so there is about a seven, eight, seven year age gap between us. Oh, that's very interesting. Do you find there's a lot of differences with how you both see the world? Um, yeah, I think so. It is. She brings a very youthful perspective. While for me, it's like these are the these are memories that have been in the past. And so I take a different view at, you know, what school was like. And she's in school right now. So she has. A yeah. And how does she feel about you? doing this amazing thing for the future generations uh, oh, she uh she is very excited she loves it um she loves telling people that her sister her older sister is a ceo um but i personally think she really enjoys it and she's actually getting involved with inspiring youth right now which i think is really cool oh what's she in charge of so she currently is part of the marketing portfolio and she is one of our TikTok directors. So she is in charge of our TikToks and making, um, helping inspiring youth to grow a following on TikTok. Okay, this is perfect because now I get to tell our audience that although we rag on TikTok every single week that we record, inspiring youth does <laughs> love TikTok. We are just bad at showing it, but we have all the respect and we are very excited to see what your sister brings to the table. 
Yeah, I think she'll be definitely be able to help us use a different medium to kind of stand out, I guess. Yeah, and why TikTok out of all the social media platforms? Um, TikTok is one of those platforms where you can find basically everything on, um, from cute dog videos to sad videos if you want to cry, to videos about that are more educational, from art tutorials to dance tutorials. Um, so you, you have such a wide variety of content on TikTok, and so I think it's a perfect platform to go and speak up about, about what we're really passionate about. Yeah, it's a really powerful tool, I agree. Um, I want to just quickly jump back to, you know, you're pursuing law and you want to do such, I mean, I feel like you're already doing such great things with Inspiring Youth, but Thank you. with, with law, you're kind of, you have a different target that you're going to be, ooh, I don't want to say going for, that makes you sound like a hitman, but <laughs> helping a different target of people. So, Shali, I did want to ask you, how do you think your childhood shaped these opportunities you're getting now to pursue a higher higher education with you going to law school? Um, that's actually a really good question. Uh, as a child, I did a lot of different extracurriculars and different hobbies, and my parents were also very supportive in my creative um, pursuits as well as my more um, athletic pursuits. And I think that's a really big part of it, is I grew up with parents who were very supportive in anything outside of education. And so because of that, I got a chance to, you know, prioritize my academics and education. However, I also got a chance to prioritize things that actually personally interested in me. And because of this mix of, you know, being able to do so many different things, I realized that, you know, the legal field was something I'm very passionate about. And I'm also very passionate about social justice. And so I feel like both of these topics, both of these fields go hand in hand. And so I think that's how um, I decided to, you know, choose the pathway of law for my higher education. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's fantastic that your parents have been so supportive. Um, I know firsthand your parents really push you to be the best that you can in everything, not just your extracurriculars or not just your your grades in school. I definitely see a shift in the way... Um, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I am Indian, as are you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so definitely there's there's a shift in the way Asian, not a shift, I would say. Um, there's a difference in the way Asian parents kind of approach um, academics versus extracurriculars. Have you noticed that? Yeah, um, I definitely have. I think um, academics is something that um, a lot of countries place a lot of emphasis on. And so it's really interesting that when you do move to North America, you do start to see a shift. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there are parents that don't really shift with that culture, mm -hmm. the culture being North America, I guess, <laughs> where they're still kind of in the mindset of, oh, you're not going to do good in life if you're not top of your class or doing something in the STEM fields, especially, is what you'll get. Um, I know I wrestled with that a lot, um, even even when I, I mean, I talked about it quite a few times on the podcast, but I was in psychology first year. Now, the funny thing about psychology is that it was for the sciences, but because it's not considered a legitimate form of science in many countries, mm -hmm. uh, it was, it, it took a lot of convincing so that was difficult. You, it takes a toll if you don't really have that backing up from your parents. Um, oh, 100%. And I think that's kind of the interesting part, personally, is in North America, you can kind of find a mix of both mindsets. Um, and so that's why when I did talk about my upbringing, um, I, you know, 
I personally was very lucky in that sense. Um, but I do know a lot of friends that I had were really not lucky in that sense, where they did not kind of get that support they needed to pursue things outside of just the academic. Yeah, and I think another factor that we haven't really touched on yet is the financial part of the support. Like, it's not just, oh, my parents are very happy that I'm doing this, this, and this. It's also like, are they willing to financially support me until I can take that route myself? And the thing about like being a supportive parent is you can't just, you know, be like, oh, I'm so happy you're doing this, this, and this you're going to do great in life. It's also financially, you have to be there as a parent. Like that's, I feel one of your duties. Um, it kind of sucks, especially for students that want to go into law because oh, yeah. significantly more expensive and I'm, I'm in kin. Um, I just, yeah, financial um, support is definitely something I think a lot of people are lacking from their parents and that can really affect the course of of your your career right yeah and i completely agree and oftentimes even when you know the financial you know families do have the financial ability to support their kids hobbies extracurriculars often isn't seen like a worthwhile cause to invest in because a lot of people to this day don't really understand the importance of you know creativity the arts sports and the impact it could have on any child and their growth and their development and where they can go in life with that. And so oftentimes, even when they do have that financial ability to kind of support their kids, they don't really understand the importance of doing it when it comes to, for example, let's say visual arts or dance or even a sport. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like with companies just being very unethical with their production means. We always talk about how you're you're voting with your coin. Yep pretty much make sure you know where you're putting your money into. Mm -hmm. And with children, it's like, yes, definitely be informed with what your kid wants to pursue doing, but know that it's gonna be changing. You kind of have to put your faith in your kid that your kid's gonna make the right decision for them. And you know what, that, and I think um, we are talking about Asian parents, like I think that's the hardest thing for them to wrap their mind around where me getting paid the most doesn't necessarily mean I'm gonna be the happiest. Yes, um, I completely agree. And I think that's also one of the mind uh, thought processes that went behind the creation of inspiring youth. I wanted to be able to give youth a chance to try different things out and get that mentorship and growth opportunities without having to worry about that financial support. Um, because money, unfortunately, often is very important as much as, you know, we would wish it isn't. And so I just want to be able to give you the chance to kind of get over one hurdle, at least to be able to give them a chance to try different things out, even if they did not have that financial support. Yeah. Um, how would you say is the best way to approach, you know, doing extracurriculars that can be very expensive, especially if you want to do something like skating, for example. Rochelle was a very competitive skater, I'm going to say. Just oh, it is. <laughs> and it is very expensive. I do agree. It's very expensive. And so is law. So Rochelle has just always been very expensive. Um, Ooh, I am a very expensive child. I agree. <laughs> but you know what? That's great because now you know exactly what path you want to go down. And I feel like you have that opportunity of looking back at your childhood and knowing that you tried everything and you found what really stuck. 
what would you say to students that really didn't get that opportunity because either financial reasons or maybe they come from an area that doesn't really emphasize that portion of a of childhood and development i think more than saying something to the kids and the youth i would actually have something to say to the education system and professionals around these youth i think youth should be given a lot more opportunity to try out different things in school i see school as a way to try out different things learn different things and figure out what works for you and what doesn't of course as well as getting that education you need and so I know a lot of schools do put a lot of emphasis on their art classes and their sports classes and gym and things like that. And I think that's something that needs to even be, you know, be done even more um, because that's how you can kind of really give you the chance to experiment different things. But to youth themselves, my suggestion would be to really just try to find different organizations who would be able to give you a chance to do something or just try it out, at least for free to see if it's something you like. For example, I know, you know, we just held our very first art workshops um, and my kind of mindset behind that was the same thing is let's just let, you know, you can come out, see if art is for them. If it's not totally okay, at least they tried. Yeah, I agree. Um, and trying new things is definitely the way you grow as a person. I mean, I can, I can tell you right now, Rishali from the first day that I've known her has been <laughs> just urging me to try every club I can find. I'm like, no. And I, I was very hesitant. Like I am very, um, very introverted by nature. And so for a I don't know, 17 year old hearing all this advice of getting out there and trying new things was terrifying. And, you know, now that I finally have delved into the world of trying something new, taking up more leadership roles. It, it's not the most given advice for no reason. There really is legitimacy in it. Everything just seems a little more easier. You definitely have that confidence of, I can do these things. Just give me a challenge and I can do it. So yeah, you're right. Like the best piece of advice you can honestly give to, to a young adult is just put yourself out there. It is hard. I will say, I do know that me giving you that advice, I could see your expressions like, stop it. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're also right. Is Once upon a time, someone gave me that advice and I hated every minute of it until I actually got a chance to try new things. And I was like, okay, that wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't blame you for that. Yeah. But with that being said, um, I think there definitely is room for improvement as there is in every area of life. But you know, some schools really do not have the funds to be able to provide their kids with just a, a wide variety of clubs or extracurriculars or even daycare at some places, right? Yeah. And I feel like that would be the harder issue to tackle because not everyone kind of has the funds and resources to actually leave that school, go somewhere better, even if it does mean getting a better education getting a better future out of that. Yeah, and I think that's where the hardest part is, like you said, where it's it's very easy to kind of sit here and be like, oh, these are the things that should be done to give you the better chance in life. But it's very hard to be actually implemented unless there's many people who are working towards that goal. And so I think a society in general needs to kind of realize and understand that youth don't have it easy. I know it's very easy to be like, oh, youth are just kids. They have no responsibility. They live a stress-free life. That's really not the case. 
the issues they go through are very different than the issues we go through, but that doesn't make them any less valid. And youth are oft often affected by circumstances that they have absolute no control over. And so I think as a society, everyone needs to realize and recognize that they're going through a hard time. We do need to place an importance on their growth, their development, them growing outside of the academic sphere. Yeah, and I feel like that's a very important um, piece to bring up because, I mean, I think, I personally think everyone should have a form of an outlet to vent their feelings, to get rid of some pent up anxiety. Um, just everyday struggles, you know, like it, uh, kind of like what you're saying with, you know, it affects kids. I feel like it affects kids differently than it does adults, but regardless, it affects every single person out there. But why do you think it may influence children and their their future a little bit more than it would an adult that's just going through a tougher time? I think it would affect youth more because of, of a few reasons. One in particular is often they have no control over their situation. Um, they're kind of given, you know, these con conditions to kind of grow up in and that's kind of what they have to deal with, right? So they can't easily just be like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm going to change my life. And also youth, when you're kind of going through that phase in life, that's your some of your most important years for your development. Um, and that is the time where you can actually develop yourself as a person and just figure out what you want to do with your life. Kind of going back to what you said about trying new things is when you, you know, you do step out and you do try different things with your life, you gain a lot of life skills more than just like, oh, I learned how to paint. You learn how to be a leader. You learn how to communicate with other people. You learn public speaking. There's so many things you can get out of it. And for youth, that school period is the best period for them to be learning these things. Yeah. And back to like the whole depend dependency topic, it's you as a kid are put in such a vulnerable position where unfortunately the adults in your life are in charge of you, are in charge of, you know, is where you're going, for example, what you're doing, where you're living even, which goes back to the whole where you live, what type of schools you go to does have an impact on the rest of your life, whether it's big or small. So I think that dependency can be scary at times. And that's why we as the adults in the situation have a responsibility to do well by them, do well by, you know, the future the, yeah, the future, right? <laughs> yep. Okay, so I know we've talked a lot about personal issues that we've faced growing up. What are some more generic issues that we kind of see out in the world a little more prominently? I think that's that's a really good question because there's so many answers to that question, um, in my opinion. You know, there's issues like poverty, everything from poverty to mental health issues to growing up in a less than ideal family situation. So whether it be abusive um, parents to, um, you know, a financial struggle, there are so many issues that you kind of see day to day. And there's so many different situations that can put these youth in those situations, I would say. Yeah. And I just want to draw the attention back to poverty. I think it's easy to get hung up on the the financial the lack of financial help that you have there that we kind of forget the mental health aspect of children that grew up in impoverished conditions yeah i agree um back 
I actually have a personal experience that I can kind of relate to this topic is um, after my first year of university, I actually went to India for two months where I volunteered um, at this youth boarding school kind of school system set in place for kids that came from very, very, very um, impoverished areas. Um, so these towns often had like rules against girls couldn't go to school or schooling was just not an option. And so the school was kind of, you know, a place where these kids could get an education. Volunteering at that school, um, one of the things I noticed is for youth, the only thing they were able to think of, and rightfully so, given their situation, was how am I going to get out of the situation? Um, what am I going to do to make money in my future? How am I going to make money to support my parents? How am I going to make money to support myself? Um, so that was kind of what really was just the focus for these youth. And here's the thing, I don't blame them for having these mindsets because that's kind of the situation they've been given. Those are the cards they've been dealt. And one of the issues I also kind of noticed when it came to mental health issues is they didn't really understand the importance of their mental health and taking care of it because they were so driven on getting this you know, financial stability that their own health, their own mental health was just not an important thing for them. It was not a priority. And again, I don't blame them for it because in the time, you know, being put in that situation, all you can do is just try to get out of it. And so by the time, even if they do get out of it, their mental health has been affected so much. Um, a lot of these kids did have anxiety and stress and a lot of them were, you know, depressed. Um, but these things weren't officially diagnosed because they didn't have the means to be able to be given the help that they needed. Yeah, and I think a lot, something that a lot of people don't really consider for, you know, even if you're just not exposed to the culture there, it's very much kind of a hustle culture that we see here where it's like work, 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 you'll get money and then you'll be good and you can pay for therapy. It's like that there too, it's just there's no therapy afterwards. Yeah. So it's very much this mindset of if I get money, if I get rich, if I find a good job, um, it'll solve all my issues. You know, they will never be told otherwise from the adults around them because mental health, as it is in a lot of countries, is simply not spoken about. It's again, like I mentioned before, it's not a legitimized practice there. Now, that is changing slower than I think anyone would like, but it's gonna be a hard reach to get to the point where even North America is, and we're not even perfect, like near perfect when it comes to mental health. Oh, 100%. Um, in North America, especially, like you, you do see this greater importance being put on mental health. Um, however, I do think it's still very hard to reach that help that youth or people in general deserve, not even talking specifically about youth. And I think when it comes to youth, oftentimes mental health issues are very easily brushed aside as like, oh, they're just going through a hard time, they're still growing up, they're not mature yet, or they're just more hyper than other kids. These are often excuses that are given to these kids from people around them, where it makes it hard for mental health issues to get diagnosed and for them to do, you know, to receive the help that they really do need. Yeah, and we're talking about, you know, dependence on the adults around us when we're, like, younger. That also has to do with it, because as the adult, you are aware that these little children, these little kids are dependent on you for their basic necessities, 
for getting the love that they need to develop appropriately, appropriately, develop well. <laughs> okay, don't laugh at that. Um, and because of that, I feel like there's a greater sense of, as the adult, as the, the parent or guardian, it's very much, oh, did I fail? And no parent really wants to admit that. And sometimes not admitting that is almost even more harmful than whatever led to that problem. Yeah. And kind of to add on to that, I think another perspective to kind of bring to the table is oftentimes you can't even blame the parents sometimes for kind of the way um, that the youth grow up because society has often trained people um, of all kinds to kind of think a certain way. And so when an issue is still prominent and not being improved in society, it's really hard to see that to that individual family, to that individual parent and how they parent their kids. Why? Because again, it's such a big, you know, society doesn't take it seriously. And so you kind of, as a parent, you don't really understand the significance of it. And also when society doesn't take something seriously, resources are very hard to find, especially for sometimes things like mental health. Or when it comes to mental health, resources are either very hard to reach, um, there are very long waiting times, or it's just very expensive if you want to go down a private route. Yeah, and then the worst case scenario is it's expensive and accessible and also not good when you do finally get the help. Um, yeah. You mentioned society. Like, what does what does society consist of exactly? Like, who do we have to kind of, I don't want to say blame, but who, do, who should we be demanding more from? I think it's not even one aspect of society we can demand more from. I think it's a joint effort. Um, as anyone on the Inspiring team, team, Youth team will know, I'm a very big preacher when it comes to like collaborative environment, a community, community environment. And I think this goes to a bigger scale as well. When it comes to society, it's not just one institution. It has to be all the institutions working together. It has to be government working together. And it also has to be people, you know, just regular citizens, regular human beings working together to bring upon these changes. When I talk about institutions, it goes you know, from schools to everything else. Government is what can, you know, is who is actually able to fund these changes often. And they're the ones who are actually, you know, able to make the laws and change the laws to be better with what, you know, youth and society need. But then you have, to, you know, the people of the country are those who are, have to actually push for these changes to be made. They are the ones who have to be like, no, this is important. We need to do something about it. So I think when I talk about society as a whole, it goes from me to you, to the universities, to the schools, to the health system. It's everyone. Yeah. And the importance of us standing up for stuff that we believe in, like having opportunities for all kids, is it's so great because we can see a rise in clubs and organizations like Inspiring Youth that the entire premise is to get youth involved in paving the way for our future, right? Like we're paving the way for kids that are just like us, except now we have a voice, we have a platform that reaches so many people and will continue to. Yeah, and that's where social media comes into play where I completely agree. There's so many downsides to social media. Like you guys always pick on TikTok. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> There's also so many good sides to it where social media is where you can actually say something. 
is where you can push for change, is where you can actually show people that, hey, I know you're going through a hard time. This is what we can do to help you. Again, we're not going to be able to change everyone's life. We're not even going to be able to make someone like 100% happy and live a perfect life. But all we can do is really do help that make that one step forward where at least one more person is aware of the issues that are happening. At least one more person is like, oh, this is important. Um, and I think social media is giving us that kind of platform to take at least that one step forward. Yeah, because we're already seeing politicians trying to trying to cater to us through social media. Like that's only going to get bigger and bigger as the years progress. And we, scarily enough, become more dependent on technology <laughs> and these social platforms. It is scary. I will give you that. As much as there are good sides, there's definitely bad sides to social media. So yeah. I guess it balances out. <laughs> You laugh, but Siri has already taken over the world. <laughs> Siri is listen to, listening to us right now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, now I just want to go a little bit back to poverty, take a few steps back. Okay. Now, in your experience, who gets out of impoverished conditions and who doesn't? Ooh, that's a hard question. Yeah, I'm hitting you the hard one this time. Yeah. That is definitely a hard question to answer. Um, personally, there haven't, I personally don't have any experiences where I can kind of relate to when it comes to answering this question. But if I did have to say something on it, I think it really just depends what resources have been provided to them. There are a lot of organizations out there in North America, at least, that are helping um, impoverished people get a chance to step out of the situations. I can't speak worldwide because I'm not really sure, but in Canada, at least I know this is the case. But even with these organizations and these policies set in place, not everyone is going to be reached. Not everyone is going to be able to get this help. And so I think in the end, it really just comes down to who was able to get that one little help, who was you know, able to take that one step forward who was able to get the resources that are available to help them kind of step out of their situation. So what you're saying is luck. <laughs> yes. I think part of it does come down to luck, but part of it also comes down to there are limited resources. And so unfortunately, not everyone is often recognized as being in this issue. They, you know, not everyone is like just reached when it comes to it. Yeah, I agree. And I think luck plays, I wasn't trying to dig at you. Luck plays a part Amen. in every, every single aspect of life, right? Like you might just be lucky in terms of academics. And I think that's something that automatically jumped to my head where it's like, you know what, the people that are very intelligent, they usually get um, ahead in life because of that. I'm not saying it's not well deserved or anything, but you know, you can compare them to someone who works their butt off, but might not just be as lucky in that department. And so their grades don't reflect their mark. Like, I think we can all kind of relate to that naturally smart kid in school. Oh, 100%. And we're just like studying our butt off for like a week in advance before a test, we go and take it. And they're bragging about how they didn't study at all. And it's like, but that's <laughs> how luck yeah, but that's how luck goes. And I think when there's something greater at stake, like if you're in, in impoverished conditions or your home life is bad and you want to get out, don't have a way of doing so, it sucks. But again, I think those people need to take advantage of the resources the most. Yeah, 
And I think it kind of also goes back to the schooling system. Um, I promise I have nothing against the education system. No, me neither, me neither. <laughs> We're not trying to um, insult anyone, I promise. Um, but when school. it comes to schools, <laughs> oh yeah, we love schools. Um, but when it comes to the education system, I will say in North America compared to other countries, I feel like our education system does a really good job at involving and including a lot of different non-academic things. But I think, of course, there's always more that can be done. And for these people who might not be lucky, for example, in that academic sense, or they might not just, academics might not be their thing, and that's completely okay. I think that's where schools and teachers and professionals that you know are always around you need to really step up and say, be able to kind of mentor them and give them that direction where they can still create a life out of, you know, they can create a life, they can create a future, and it does not have to do anything with your grades. And so I think that's where school, especially needs to play, you know, will play a big part. And so, again, the importance of this has to be recognized. I think another thing that teachers, especially teachers, principals need to realize is that I mean, a lot of them do a great job by all means, but school needs to be a safe place for children because at the end of the day, you never know who's struggling, who's having a bad time at home. You know, this can be multiple reasons like we already covered, impoverished conditions, not having financial stability at home, which would of course affect your basic living conditions, but also parents. Because once again, you're so dependent on those that are raising you that you're put in such a vulnerable position. So if your parents are not on the best terms with either each other, with you, with your siblings, that will all take a toll. And students especially need somewhere to get away. And school is perfect because you are legally required to be attending every single day. Um, and yeah, I think, um, yes, you're legally required to attend 8 a.m. <laughs> Not oh. the best part of school, but it is what it is. And I think schools do, they have so many opportunities. And I think, again, it's kind of like you said, where it has to be a safe place for children. And because, again, school is the one place you can kind of get away from everything and you can be in a place that is meant for you to be at. You know, you're at a place that is focused for your growth and your development. And so I think if any of these changes that we've kind of discussed or that we want to be happening, school is a great place to start. Um, Another thing with home life is, you know, abuse plays a huge part in that. And abuse doesn't just show up in physical abuse. It shows up in the way you verbally communicate. It's in, yeah. it's in, like, I think we all see jokes of it on social media where, oh, a kid wakes up late and the parents are all like, oh, you're finally awake. But it's, and people make jokes about it all the time where it's like, oh, our generation is so sensitive to all this and that. But it's like, no, when you hear these things every single day for stuff that you cannot control, if it's depression, you waking up at 3, 3 p.m., for example, might just be you on a good day. Like, you yeah. don't know these things. You can't just assume, oh, because we're kids, we're not struggling with anything. Why are you complaining? Why aren't you sleeping at a regular time? Like, it's not as easy as snapping your fingers, going to sleep, waking up on time, and being the perfect child. And um, a lot of, especially when there, you're in a family situation or, you know, uh, a situation where maybe your parents aren't on the best terms with each other, 
as a kid, you grow up, it's very, you know, it ends up just the child in that situation growing up with a lot of trauma. This, you know, parents being at odds with each other can still lead to childhood trauma, even if they're directly not affected by them. Why? Because the, the two people in your life that are, you know, basically the most important are going through a hard time and they are fighting. Mm -hmm. And this often leads for a lot of kids might lead into other mental health issues growing up that is often overlooked because to other people, it's like, oh, your parents are going through a hard time. They both care for you just as much. You should be fine. But no, the child in the situation is going to be affected. And that is something that really does need to kind of be acknowledged and recognized. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I just got a dog recently. I bring this up for a reason. <laughs> I just got a dog recently. So I've been kind of scrolling every inch of so, uh, social, well, social media and just the internet in general, finding the best ways to raise a dog. Mm -hmm. Now, every single article I find tells you specifically not to raise your voice in front of a dog. So when you're fighting yeah. with your partner, don't do it in front of the dog. The dog will freak out. And it's funny because it has this tremendous effect on a dog. Now, I love dogs. Can you imagine how much worse it is for a child that is growing up in that environment who can actually understand exactly what is being said, yep. what situations are? Because then when you see these fights happening, you know, these kids see these fights happening in front of them, instead of focusing on their future, their growth, their development, instead of focusing on them, which they should be doing, because again, they're a child. Even if you're a teen, your focus should be on you. Instead, their focus is on, oh, why are they fighting now? What's happening in the house? How can I stop the fight? Yeah, it's so too all quiet right now. Yeah, or am I the reason they're fighting? Guilt often plays a big part into it because sometimes these fights do start from, I, I can assume, the kids. You know, maybe a difference of parenting styles, whatever the case. These kids, instead of, you know, focusing on themselves, they kind of end up focusing on this, which takes away from their own growth, their own development, mm -hmm. because now their own growth isn't the most important priority to them. Their, their family situation ends up being their main priority. Um, and so these things do have a lasting impact, you know, on these youth. And again, it's not really talked about that much. I will say, if you want to become a psychologist, though... You will thrive in these scenarios because you know exactly how to respond <laughs> yeah because you're kind of just this anyways it's not good to grow up in abusive households that's not what we're getting at but yeah we've talked a lot about um if certain issues that we've seen growing up around us we hear about very prominent issues within childhood development and i think the main factors we can pull from this conversation is guilt is a huge thing trauma pain and suffering right Yep. So a kid that has suffered all of these things, that is carrying tremendous amounts of guilt, tremendous amounts of trauma, how would you suggest them coping with it? What are some activities they can be doing? I love that question. I feel like I can spend a whole podcast talking about it. Um, <laughs> you got 10 minutes. <laughs> for today's purpose. Um, there are so many different ways to kind of remove, you can't completely remove yourself from a situation, but you can do your best to self-care. I know self-care is a very important thing, especially nowadays. You know, there are some things you can do to de-stress, to, you know, care, take care of yourself. And I think the cool thing about this is it's different for everyone. 
-hmm. Now, I know we spent quite a few months discussing art, so, you know, I'll kind of take that approach to it. I think arts can be a really good way of getting away from your surroundings. Art can be therapeutic. I don't know if you've, yes, I don't know if you've seen these things, but there's like coloring books for adults. Like it's, it's like actually such a big thing where it's like color by number. I'm I was going to get you that for Christmas. I won't lie. <laughs> I would love it. Keep it, keep it in your mind. Okay. We'll do. <laughs> um, I actually have a color by number app, which I often use when I'm feeling pretty stressed. And so I think art as, art as a whole is can be very therapeutic, whether it be visual arts, whether it's like dance, music. Music is also therapeutic to me. Dancing, literally, I look crazy. I probably, probably look like a crazy lady, but it's just me dancing in front of a mirror to the randomest music. Yeah. And I personally think arts can be a really good way to de-stress, but what about you? How do you, you know, how do you get, how do you de-stress? You know, what do you do to take care of yourself? The way I take care of myself, um, I, I mean, I feel like this has changed throughout the years. When I was younger, I think the way I would do it was reading. Reading would always be my my escape from reality, as cliche as it sounds. Oh, um, I I relate with you there. Yeah, you're still like that. You got a bookshelf behind you, as I do not. And so do you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So reading was that for me for a long time. Art has kind of always been my de-stressor of choice, but I think as I've grown up, it's kind of been associated with marks and grading and I'm doing it for the perfection of it, not for the joy of it, which I think after joining Inspiring Youth, it's definitely helped kind of ease that pressure off me a little bit more. So yeah. thank you for that. <laughs> You know what, like I enjoy doing makeup. Makeup is very therapeutic for me. I'll throw on like a YouTube video, a true crime video, because that's the best thing to watch when you want to de-stress. Yep, very yeah. scientifically proven, yep. Oh yeah, doesn't make me scared at all. But, you know, I'll, I'll do makeup looks. I think that also falls in the, the realm of creative. Like it, it might sound stupid to some people, but you know what? It's I think it's the the practice I, I read about it, the practice of repetitive movements. Mm -hmm. So any guy listening, maybe you understand the repetitive nature of makeup, maybe you don't. But <laughs> it is very, you know, you focus on your face, you focus on the elements of your face, you focus on the brush strokes, much like painting, drawing and writing, right? Penmanship. Oh yeah. And I think that's the part that kind of taps into into the Zen part. Oh my God, I just said Zen unironically. <laughs> into the the part of your brain that kind of tells you to stop, take a second, don't focus on anything else. Just try to get this the way you want it to look. And to kind of add on to that, I think creativity in general is such a good you know way to de-stress. It's because it's an outlet, right? You can use creative fields as an outlet for your emotions. Now, I promise I'm not trying to plug inspiring youth every two seconds. <laughs> but <laughs> well, so we did our very first event, our art workshops was focused on emotion. Now, this was not a random choice. We chose it very purposely where emotion is such a big thing and it's very important and very connected to arts. Just to kind of tie it back to what we we're talking about. Arts and just any creative fields can be an outlet because you're able, you can use whatever emotions you're feeling and kind of get it out. When you're angry, dancing is actually, this is so random, but I've found that when I'm so pissed, 
Dancing is actually a really good way to let off steam. Why? Because I'm kind of taking away that anger and instead doing something I really enjoy doing. Um, I know when I'm personally sad, listening to music really just helps lift my mood or just gets even in more kind of emotional. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that creativity or arts can be an outlet to kind of get away from reality. Yeah, and I think another reason for that is simply the fact that you're doing something productive rather than, yeah. I don't know, I mean, don't get me wrong, venting is a fantastic way of getting your feelings across and kind of... Fun. Ranting is fun. <laughs> ranting's so fun. So is gossiping. I know we don't like it, but it's fun. But if you're kind of channeling it into the arts or into writing, yes, which is a form of arts, that's what I was going with. If you're channeling it into a physical work, whether it's dance, a book, you have something to look back on, something that you created out of your pain, out of your suffering. And not only is it kind of symbolic for what you've been through, it's also a symbol of, hey, I overcame that. I can overcome it in the future. If I can overcome yep. this, I can overcome this, which is even greater than what I channeled before. Yeah, I think arts just in general, there's so much you can do with it. So I have a question for you. <laughs> I'm taking over your job. If that, um, oh, no. A question for you. Um, what is one very random creative thing that you would recommend anyone, not just youth, try when they are feeling stressed or just very depressed, um, you know, ang anxious about the way that their life is going? I think this might not be feasible for everyone to do. This does require... Um, a space a space that you can you're not too afraid of getting messy dirty clothes maybe <laughs> okay that feels like it's going in a weird direction but <laughs> body painting like try to create something different with different parts of your bodies like we, I think when you think of finger painting like you only use your fingers and stuff but try it with everything try it with sides of your face just try it doesn't even have to be anything right it can be abstract just create a piece of artwork because I think there's power in kind of physical movement and whole mm -hmm. body movement. This might be my kinesiology slide coming out, but I think <laughs> oh, the reason, is. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the reasons that um, dance is so powerful for you and getting your emotions out is because you're using your entire body to kind of push all that, mm, this might sound a little hippie, but all that negative energy out of you and into something that you can see and improve with time. Oh, I agree so much. It's like you're you're taking the negative energy and then turning it into something positive. Um, my personal recommendation, and this may, may sound very random, but put on a random kid song. So like, I don't know, like pink, pink fluffy unicorn. Let's start there. What is pink? And try to dance to it. Fluffy unicorn. That is our song recommendation for the day. <laughs> try to dance to pink fluffy unicorn. It is. I've tried it. Two seconds in, I burst out laughing because I thought I was being crazy and I was like, I hope no one's looking at me right now. Um, but I had so much fun and it was a really good way to just let off that steam. I wish I did more of that, just doing the most ridiculous things and then getting to laugh at myself afterwards. I think that's a fantastic. Do that. <laughs> yeah, and that's a fantastic way to close off. So thank you so much, Rashali, for bringing your insight to this conversation was much needed and I'm so happy we finally got a chance to sit down. It was a pleasure having you here. Are there any last words you want to share to your audience? 
Um, I think my last words would be to kind of end on a positive note, because anyone who knows me knows I like to be all positive and news. Um, <laughs> I would say that there are so many issues out there that we as humans face, um, and I'm, so many issues that youth, adults, people of all ages face. I think talking about all of this is very important. However, talking about it is just the very first step. So let's not get too happy about the fact that we're just, oh, you know, we're advocating for this or, oh, we've, we're raising awareness for this. That's just the very first step into a lot of other things we can do. And so my kind of last words would be try to do at least one thing that is actual, actually in action more than just talking about issues that you know. I love that. And I have a few words. I just want to start off by saying to all the children and adults out there that are listening, that may have been burned by their childhood, their past, may still carry the pain. We will have linked resources in our description. Um, while we can't take away your past and any of the pain associated with it, we are dedicated to your future as an organization, but also as people. And we definitely urge you to reach out and share your story. It may help more people than you know. You can contact us at info at inspiring-youth.org. Um, this is at our, on our website, which will also be linked in the description. Lastly, I want you to remember to be the change and inspire the youth. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.